Hello and welcome to another episode of the Frankenbeans podcast, the show where we talk about the films of Frankenstein and Mr. Bean. <laughs> oh. You wish. Oh, sorry guys. I, I, I thought it would be okay to do my other podcast while we record this one. You know, a podcast within a podcast. Just like today's pot, today's topic, movies within a movie, on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond, stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Lights, camera, action, and welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike, and this is episode 290. This time around, we're going to be discussing films, movies, within a movie. Films where within the storyline or plot features yet another movie either going on or they go see or they're even making, because in this particular topic... That's the ones we'll be discussing, where they're making the movie within the movie, getting really meta and hurting my brain. <laughs> Attack of the Killer podcast is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends, we get together with a topic, and we talk about films within that topic. Now, we're just friends hanging out, chilling, and drinking Zimas, and there may be spoilers, so I just want to warn you. Nice. Thanks. <laughs> now, if you like our show, you should consider becoming an attacker. As an attacker, you help support the show and can become part of the Attack of the Killer podcast family. At jointheattackers.com, you can help support the show and get back more perks than any other podcast that's called Attack of the Killer podcast. Perks sound nice. You can get your own membership card and certificate and sticker. There are bonus episodes, YouTube shows, all which are exclusive to the attackers. And speaking of exclusive, you can get invites to our monthly horror hangouts, watch parties, and the Attack of the Killer chat. You can even get shout-outs on the show like these amazing people. That's right. We got Timothy Lennerer, Roman Doppelfeld, Larry Watanabe, Brett Royer, Seth Key, Jessica Irish, Chris Cook, Brian Godsell, Stefan Sitter, Brandy Moeller, Andrew Moeller, Rod Hutchinson, Carmen DeHaig, Abraham Moreno, Jacob Book, Andrew Bentler, Casey Kelderman, Tony Miller, Mike Clayton, Roast, Talashoma, Marcus Rude, Abe Kirshner, Lisa Cavalier, Holly Berg, Emily Randolph, Bill Fisher, and Greg Diedrich. Awesome nice. list. And you, too, can join that amazing group of people by going to jointheattackers.com. Pick the terror that best suits you and become an attacker today. Again, that website is jointheattackers.com. And now it is time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He got his start in filmmaking, working for free in the lighting department. He didn't do it for the money. He did it for the exposure. Jason. <laughs> Nice. I also hope people uh, are out there Googling the Frank and Beans podcast. I hope they're trying to find it. <laughs> Am I going to have to make it now? <laughs> you might have to. Thanks for listening, everybody. He was filming a short film about an octopus, but he had to stop because he was experiencing tentacle difficulties. Tad. 
Hey guys, uh, you know Jason's always exposing himself. Hey, this is true. Hobby's a hobby. He got a job as an extra in a movie. His role was to walk up to the lead actress, comb her hair away from the middle of her head. It was a bit part. Andy! <laughs> hey everybody, thanks for listening. <laughs> We're still listening. Oh, I hate when he makes me laugh. <laughs> Speaking of bit parts, here's Tad with What We Watched. All right, let's jump into it. Jason, I know one thing you've watched because since the last time we were all together, there's a Transformers movie, maybe? Oh, shit. It wasn't on my list. I'm like, I haven't Holy seen anything. Sh- Holy crap, really? I forgot. <laughs> I had nothing, but I have seen the new Transformers movie, Rise of the Beast. That's right. We got a gang of us together, went to the theater. Insane Mike was there. I was Simon there. was there. My pal Eddie. Oh, my girlfriend Michelle was there. Oh, Spooty was there. You know what yeah. cracked me up is what? seeing the picture. <laughs> you had the picture of you and Spooty for uh-huh. the podcast for Cracktastic Plastic, and uh-huh. then you had the picture of you and Michelle for your your page. And I'm like, oh, he's got the brother and the girlfriend. <laughs> like you leaned over for different pictures to yeah. make it look like you were there with the other one by themselves. Yourself. I was the creamy center. That's right. It was awesome. <laughs> Right where I wanted to be, and uh, I so I know y'all know I'm the boy who cried awesome. I know you guys know that I am incredibly biased, but man, I fucking loved it. It was really good. It was good. I, I will be the one who's not vouch? overly oh. biased, and I will vouch that it was it was pretty darn good. It was best yeah. of the franchise. Bumblebee, in my opinion, is still the best. That's my opinion. Um, but the one it, about tuna, it just. <sighs> Yeah, exactly. It 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 does, um, you know, wipe its proverbial ass with the others in the series, though, because it just yeah, Bumblebee it's it's finally getting to where these movies should have been. Should have been the whole time. Yeah, this it's really freaking great. Great story, great human characters. Uh, the robots uh, have arcs, and the characters have arcs, and um, great tons of great. Um, what do they call those? Uh, the transforming secret secrets my brain brain just went nuts where you put in a secret or a easter egg easter Easter egg egg. jesus christ (laughs) ouch yep yeah secret easter eggs yeah (laughs) anyway um yep i loved it so fucking good go see it does Michael Bay have anything to do with this one? Just he, producer, probably? Just technically just on the producer list. Producer, but you can yep. tell he's not on the set because the movie's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do, I, I want to add, it's on my list, but... Uh, well, let's just just kick it to you if that's all Jason saw. That's all oh. I had, yeah. Oh, is it all you saw? That's it. Okay, well then I'll go. <laughs> and I'll start with Transformers. Um, I, d- I have one question. I'll start off with what you would probably think is negative. I feel that I have a legitimate question. Mm-hmm. The problem I have with all these movies, and I feel like I'm missing something because I don't know if I've ever actually seen the second one and or remember any of them, really. Um, is there somewhere in the storyline or in the uh, in, in this mythology of the movie universe where there's just dozens of random Autobots all over the globe that will show up at any time when needed. 
I mean, well, that sounded meaner than I meant it, but. Yeah, what's the question? Is there like tons of just Autobots just hanging out on Earth? I don't think so, but there are some apparently in this one. You know, I mean, Wheeljack shows up in yeah, that spot. And it's a legitimate question because every single movie they, there's this, there's different Autobots, which is fine. Well, and they would be, you know, uh, if they're protecting the Earth, you know, from threats and things. Hiding I just out. I not remember in the storyline if, like... Well, this is the first of this storyline. I mean, Bumblebee was... This is, like, starting over, right? This, Yeah, Bumblebee was the first one here, and at the end of it, he called... And okay. And that's kind of in the continuity of things, the start of it. Okay. Okay, and well, so if, that's fine, if that's the deal... Yeah, we're learning as they do in the movie, so... Apparently, there are some. It's just... It's just... You know, could be considered a little convenient when a random Autobot shows up for a particular task that they need in the film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, well, I, I mean, it's also convenient enough. that these fucking robots can turn into other things, so... But my, my positive takeaways from this is, um, yeah, it was... It was, yeah, it was really good. It wasn't as just random all over the place as the Bay movies uh, tend to be. It, the, the story felt pretty tight. And, um, you know, the effects were cool. The fight, Some of the fight scenes were great. And I will say for the first time in, in this film franchise's history, I think I like the designs of the, um, help me out here, I just blanked on the name of the, Transformers. The, the Maximals. 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 I think I like the design of the Maximals really in this cool. movie better than the original toy designs. Um, that's, I mean, that's saying a lot, man. It's 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 cool because they they kind of have like almost like a post-apocalyptic look to them of of a mesh of mechanical and animal. It looks like the furs like sewed onto the metal. You know, like or or patches. metals fused onto an animal yep. kind yep. of thing, yeah. And they just looked really, really good. And I was worried they there um, that they. Well, I won't. I won't. I guess I won't get into yep. that because that's all for later. And I feel like they really handled these characters way better than any time they've tried to work in a group of other characters, like the Dinobots in particular. Mm-hmm. Still bitter on how they handled the uh, the Dinobots, which is my favorite characters out of transformers and they just felt so forced into their movie and like they don't even show up towards the end then they have no personality to them and it's just like you know optimus and grimlock fight but then their best friend you know or whatever um and it just it, it it just all happens in like 10 minutes and but this is like they are they are the story and oh and the last thing i will say and then i'll stop that i like about this movie is that the Decepticons are not the villains. You know, right. I mean, I grew up on Transformers 2. I grew up on, on G.I. Joe. Um, you know, I, and I get it. You know, I, I, I love the Decepticons. I love Cobra. I love, but even as a kid, there were times it's like, is there any other bad guys in this <laughs> world besides just, you know, these guys? Mm-hmm. So I thought it was pretty cool. Like, Unicron has nothing to do with Decepticons, really. No. 
And there's not even a mention of Megatron in this nope. or Starscreamer. I really appreciate that. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not even referred to outside of the movie as Decepticons or Terracons, a whole different faction of yeah. bad guys. Yeah. And I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Without without going way out there sure. with something something you know crazy. I mean, they still kept it within the world that mm-hmm. we all know and. I, I just really appreciated that. You know, it's like it's like the Superman movies. Everybody bitches and moans that oh, just another Lex Luthor movie, bleh, or you know whatever. Or it's like oh, Joker showing up again fighting Batman. You know. Yeah. So I thought that was great. That was that was probably one of my biggest takeaways. And it was set in '94, so the soundtrack was pretty kick-ass. Yeah, that was too. a good soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, what else did you watch? I also watched. Um, getting caught up in on some currency stuff, I guess. I finally watched Stream Six, and it was pretty good. Oh. It wasn't bad. I I like where they're going with this uh, this new cast, I guess you could say. Um, but eventually, for me, it's just going to get into that same realm I always felt with Cindy Prescott. It's like at one point you just give up. <laughs> You just keep running into people who wants to put this mask on and try to kill you. Um, but you know it's all worth it for Jenna Ortega. So, oh yeah. <laughs> the last last thing I'll bring up was uh, shocked as hell on how much I liked it. It's on Netflix. We have a ghost. Yeah, with David oh, Harbour. Yeah. 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 I thought that was awesome. Andy talked about it. Oh, yeah, it was did, pretty good. I, yeah. We, the wife and I saw it. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember you talking about that one. Did you Did you mention at the time, because I was blown away when I saw the end credits, that this was yeah, a Christopher Landon film? I don't remember the particulars about it, but I, I know I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. I, you know, because he's one of my favorite new directors um you know with, with freaky and happy death day okay all right yeah yeah and there's a little bit of that here too you kind of i kind of did at the end when i saw his name pop up and i'm like okay that makes sense because again it has like you know different genres that shouldn't be together thrown into a blender yeah. and yeah he's made got a good work. sense of humor and- yeah because for me you know, the first half the first half of the movie is, is like this kind of everybody was calling it ambulant esque on the reviews I I read, but I'm taking it even further back to like the 60s and 70s live action Disney movies. Because besides being just a ghost, he's just he's walking around hanging out with these kids and just you know, just almost being like a normal human, not what you would expect from a ghost in a right. ghost movie. Like he's riding in cars and stuff, you know. So it really kind of had more of that goofy 60s, 70s, you know, computer wore tennis shoes or cat from outer space kind of kind of feel to it. Um, but then when you get to the third act, it totally turns into like Tales from the Crypt. And I yeah, thought that gets, was really cool. It gets cool kind of dark. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool, pretty cool. So I, I highly recommend it. Um, yeah. Especially if you um, have been following uh, Christopher Landon like me. So, anyway, that's what I watched. All right, Andy. Outside of uh, Dark Side of the Ring, what have you been watching? <laughs> Do you not want to hear about Dark Side? I'm, of the jo- I'm joking. I just I know what everybody's habits are. I've watched. I only watched the first episode so far. Yeah. Um. 
I watched uh, two two episodes of uh, Dark Side. Uh, the first one being the Magnum TA story. Uh, brief synopsis. I mean, this guy would have been like the next. They were grooming him to be like the next, like say Hulk Hogan of like the the southern you know territories of, of the NWA. And unfortunately, he got into a really bad car accident. And it just, uh, it derailed his career. I mean, he's, basically, he can't walk. So, and, um, but yeah, they just, uh, they touch on on his wreck and just on what his career, you know, would have been. Um, The second one is uh, the Grams, uh, which they ran Florida Championship Wrestling. And it almost kind of rivals the Von Erich. Uh, tragedies because the patriarch of the family ended up committing suicide his and then his grandson ended up committing suicide and then two years later the the son ended up committing suicide um all because you know there's their struggles with mental health and what i didn't know and this is a bit of a spoiler um they before uh, eddie graham did all this wrestling stuff, his dad, his father, and his, it's either his uncle or his brother, they too also committed suicide. So, I mean, it's just, it's really, it's really, really a tragic story, but, um, but they also dive into um, how, you know, many like really popular wrestlers went through Florida and, you know, got their name there like uh dusty Rhodes and kevin sullivan and all, all these other people but yeah it's a it's a also you know it's a sad story because you know name of the show is dark side of the ring um yeah. i also the wife and i watched uh um we've been watching um mogwai secrets of the gremlins on uh is that was that Paramount or is that HBO? It's on HBO. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's it's all animated and it's and it's fun and you know Zach Galligan does some of the voice is it one of the voices and James Hong uh, plays the grandpa in this and he's that man that's probably gonna live to be 137 years old <laughs> and still look like he's 60. What's up? Um, but yeah, God God bless that man. He's awesome. Um, Let's see what else. Um, watched a lot of uh, Euphoria because Sydney Sweeney is very easy on the eyes, um, and you get to see a lot of her, which is good. And the only way that I can just describe the show Euphoria to you is like it's like a Larry Clark film, only it's a series done by A twenty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With beautiful yeah, cinematography. Yeah, it's got really slick production value. It's got a lot more polish. Larry Clark is like you know very raw and in your face, and that and that also works too. But um, the themes are pretty much the same. Um, yeah, teens so fucking you, and doing drugs. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's pretty much bully or or if you've seen the movie Kids, but it's just a really well produced series. Um, I also watched a new movie on Tubi called She Came from the Woods. You guys heard about this? 
Nope. Nope. Uh, let's see. It takes it's place a, in to be original. It's got to be great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, it was when I looked at it. It's it takes place at a camp in 1987, and so I mean, you're automatically checking off boxes there. You know, for me. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's barely middle of the road. I mean, it's almost like they're trying to combine like. Um, it's a, they're kind of what they tried to do is make a weird hybrid of Friday the Thirteenth and Blair Witch, and it's just it's not that great. Um, it's not William like, Sad, not good as either of them. <laughs> yeah, not not good. Yeah, like, at all. Like I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've seen worse. Let's just say that, but. Um, it's got to do with this witch that's haunting this uh, this campground, and these counselors they 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 summon her back, and it's she's this witch has got history with the owner of the camp, and yeah, it's and William Sadler, you know, he he owns the camp, and uh, and then the only other recognizable face in it. And I know you won't recognize her name when I say it, but it's Kara Buono, I think. Hopefully, I, I don't know if I pronounced that right, but uh, she plays uh, Mike and Nancy's mom on Stranger Things. So the mom from Stranger Things oh, is in this. Okay. But, um, yeah, uh, it's... Yeah, I mean, you can watch it. I mean, I won't try to... I'm definitely not hyping it up. And I'm definitely not telling you to watch it, but I'm not telling you not to watch it. It just wasn't, uh, the pacing wasn't good. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, I just think they try to capitalize on all the, the nostalgia films that are coming out now with like, you know, camps and just, you know, slashers and stuff like that. It's just, it kind of fell flat for me. And yep, that's pretty much what I like. Tad, what have you been watching? Not shit. Um, a lot of Food Network. <laughs> I've watched the new season of the Eric Andre Show and the new season of It's Always Sunny. Those have been the main things I've been watching. Um, <clears throat> I think I probably talked about it last time, those, t- those things. So not much new. Eric Andre's back, though, and that makes me happy because that show is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm trying to think if I... I don't think I've literally... Oh, I, I do have one um, <laughs> I forgot about. I watched um, Return to Horror High. <laughs> 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 huh, why, why would you pick something like that? Uh, you know, just... I mean, I just wanted to add another movie to the list. Yeah, uh, sure. It's about movies, so... Well, that's do extra, extra, extra credit. Extra credit. Nice work. Trying to be the teacher's pet to, to Mike. So. <laughs> I went ahead and watched it a few years loves, ago. Loves him some Clooney. <laughs> yep. yep. Huh. Awesome. Well, that's good. Okay. Well, thanks, Tad, for that. And <laughs> now it is time to get into the films, the feature presentation, if you would, uh, for this episode. Jason, where are we starting? Starting way back in 1990. 
Remember where you were when you were 1990? Elementary Sadly, school. Sadly, yes. Oh, God, stop it. I was five. Don't. Mike is graduating no, one year later. To, yeah, there you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we're going to watch that movie from 1990 called Meow, A Cat in the Brain. Try to concentrate on the metronome. You will do everything I tell you to do. You nearly killed a telejournalist and smashed a camera. Yeah, stick on fire! And then you started to tear off Mrs. Herbert's clothes. But you won't remember anything. You will slowly be possessed by madness. You'll think you've committed terrible crimes. What's the matter with you, Fuji? But I'll be the one who kills and wreaks the horror. Just like you do in your films. Doesn't look real to me yet. Get him out of my sight. I'll create an evil being who everyone will think is you. Bloodthirsty monster. Your films, your scripts will condemn you as the murderer. After all, doesn't that stupid old theory say that seeing violence on the screen provokes violence? Hmm? <laughs> Bad kitty. The splatter director, Dr. Fulci, is haunted by bloody visions day by day and is disturbed by gory death fantasies. He seeks help and turns to a mad psychiatrist who he later discovers is modeling brutal murders after his violent movie scenes. Directed by Lucio Fulci. Hey, he's got the same name as the guy in the movie. That's weird. Very weird. Uh, yeah, it came out in 90. This movie oh, um, is something else. <laughs> um, a little autobiographical, maybe. Maybe a statement on the end of his career and all that business. <laughs> maybe a little bit. Yeah. But at least... A little on the nose. At least it's got some boobs. Boobs. A lot of them. No shortage on boobs. So that's Cat in the Brain on Tubi next. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, it was my first time, and I'm glad it's my last time. What? Aww. Lucio. No. Just. What What do you guys think? I maybe just the uh, this one in concept is way cooler than it. Yeah. is on screen and yep. i when i started watching yeah. it i i quickly remembered uh <laughs> i should have tamed my excitement because uh fulci was never a good storyteller he was a visual gore cool like yeah, wild yeah. scene guy um so those scenes are cool like the cannibal scene and you know the 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 gore and death in this is cool but the connecting tissue um and when you're putting a guy with no acting skills that's <laughs> 
carrying the movie. Uh, it's very rough, and I love the concept still. I'm glad I watched it. It's it's still a very unique uh, idea, not executed perfectly, but I still I still have like a little adoration for it because of what he was going for. Like I can appreciate the meta ness of it, especially for when it was made. I mean, you I know. Uh, you know, right. it, it just wasn't being done as often back then, and it's sort of just ambitious. Maybe a little too ambitious for what he could pull off, but still uh, really, really cool. And uh, like Jason said, I probably I don't see myself popping this back in again. Um, out of all the Fulci movies, this is probably the one I definitely won't watch again. But it's just cool that it exists and that they came up with this and that it made it you know this far and is a thing now. And boobs. I, I agree with- yeah, I agree with uh, Tad on this one, but uh, but just the way that it's executed, it almost comes across as like, okay, what kind of storyline can we have where we can just make our practical effects guys be able to go ape shit every two minutes? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and they do. I mean, and it and it looks good. I mean, that's one of the that's a that's it's almost a saving grace to the film. But I but I agree with Tad when he says, you know, I love what he was shooting for. It's just the the execution is just not right there. And uh, the the psychiatrist, there's another guy that can't act very well either because yeah. every time he's like approaching somebody like, like he's trying to kill somebody, he's look like he's trying to take a shit to yeah, me. Yeah, he can stare like nobody's good. business. <laughs> I just pretend it was I, Will yeah, Ferrell I mean, to get through the movie. But <laughs> I did. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, I love the fact that Lucio is rocking the Ed Gein starter kit at the beginning of the movie <laughs> with... Uh, with the the flannel and the magic hat, um, uh, another thing that I found weird was, you know, since we're talking about boobs here, there was a moment in when that guy's like getting with that hooker and he's like grabbing towards her nether regions. I don't know what kind of weird Jim Henson workshop kind of looking <laughs> thing that she she had like a weird looking Muppet muff going on. Man, it was just very strange. What? He was trying uh, to uh, put his hand in the puppet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, get her to talk. Um, <laughs> oh, we also, and we're we also all had, Great. We also had a, uh, I think, an obvious uh, tip of the cap to Psycho in this with the shower scene, with the with the knife, you know, up and down, and the girl, you know, obviously a lot more nudity than the original Psycho, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with Tad on this one. Um, love the idea, just the execution wasn't that great. Not a first-time watch for me. Go figure. I figured that, yeah. yeah. I do have this on DVD, and I think I still have my original bootleg VHS uh, that I got in the mail of this one uh, from literally back in the day. Probably about 91, 92 is when I first saw it. And this, like, muddy, ripped from probably a Japanese laser disc, if I remember right. Um, so, and it was a big deal back in the day. It's like, oh, this new Fulci film, and it's gory and stuff. And it's Fulci himself. Yeah, and Fulci, and it's so, it's like meta and weird. And, and, and it is definitely way ahead of its time. Like, they did, just did not, you know, nobody was really making movies like this where. The filmmaker puts himself in the film, basically playing himself and being autobiographical about his line of work and the movies he's making. 
and and even on top of that, purposely not making himself look good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and not and there's almost like if it wasn't for the fact that it was him, you know, it just really felt like a com- commentary on how bad horror movies are for you yeah. and all this sex and violence. But uh, um, yeah, definitely a lot of fun gore, great gore. Um, uh, just some brutal stuff. I kind of want to go. I haven't watched it in forever. I want to go back and watch New York Ripper and compare with which one is the most mean spirited, brutal, and gross of the two. Because this one, this one just just you feel dirty kind of after watching it. Um, uh, and and some of the some of the kills are just like mean spirited, like. I, I love my one of my favorite gags of the whole movie is when um, the the killer is uh, killing that uh, one girl that was like propositioning him and chops her hand off and then while he's chasing her he steps on it like he purposely steps on the hand I'm like that's just that's just going a step further I thought it was awesome um, uh, yeah. Uh, I think there's more wardrobe changes for Fulci in this movie than what he would ever do um, on a film production in real life. Like, uh, he's kind of one of those, like, you know, not the best of hygiene type of people. Um, You can kind of, you kind of smell that through the movie a little bit. Um, (laughs) I love Fulci. Don't get me wrong. I love Fulci. I also, as a schlock film lover... Bad movie film lover, I really love and appreciate the fact that that the uh, it almost feels like the movie is was made in order to use up some film stock, but we don't have enough film <laughs> in the camera for a full feature film. So how do we fix that and release a whole other movie with very little film and shoestring budget. Let's throw in tons of clips from a bunch of other of my movies. Um, there's there's stuff thrown in here from like Touch of Death, um, some films that he was supervisor a supervisor on but didn't actually uh, direct, like uh, Bloody Psycho, Massacre. Um, so I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's some Corm- that's some Roger Corman shit going on right there. Uh, or Lloyd Kaufman kind of stuff going on, that that always always makes me giddy. Um, but the funniest part of this movie is what the freak is going on with that that woman singing operatic style to the whole oh, movie. Oh, slapping the getting the piss slapped out of her. <laughs> or that's she's, awesome. She's I was laughing hysterically at that scene where she's singing that in her sleep. Funny. She's singing in her sleep, and the the guy just very slowly. He look. He walk, gets out of bed. He can't take it anymore. He gets out of bed. He looks at his belt, and he's like, "Nah." And then he finds something else. I forget what now. And then just walks over, gently places the rope or whatever behind her head, and then strangles her. Like it's just so. It's just slow and so slow and thought out of him trying to find an instrument to kill her with. All the time she's like singing in her sleep. It's hilarious. Loved it. Loved it. It's definitely not Fulci's best work, obviously. Um, I can agree with that, too. Um, But I still think there's probably worse in his filmography. Probably. We just haven't got there yet. 
I haven't found it yet. No, you haven't seen The Devil's Honey yet. That's strange. Oh, yeah, that's right. I need to see that one. I have not. But... And this was originally Nightmare Concert? Yeah. yeah, it was also called Nightmare Concert. Yeah. Neither title is really real descriptive of what we're watching, but... Well, you get this title within Literal, the first yeah. two seconds of the movie. Right, right. We're showing the inside of his skull and a cat eating his brain, which right. I've I've always loved that too. I think like I think that shot had shown up in some compilation tapes I've made of gore scenes back in the day, in my VCR to VCR editing days. Nice. Yeah. My favorite part of this whole movie is the poster. It's pretty badass. Oh yeah, looks with like the cat a, looking through the skull. And looks cat. like a metal band shirt. Yeah. Totally. Huh. Totally. Well, Tad, what kind of trivia do you have for Cat in the Brain? Not a whole lot, but there's some interesting stuff. Um, Fulci, perhaps lacking confidence in his acting skills, did not use his own voice, even in the Italian version. His lines oh. were dubbed by uh, Elio Zamuto. So even in the Italian version, it's not it's overdubbed. Nice. Wow. Which, you know... I don't know. Whenever I watch an Italian movie, I just assume none of the voices are theirs. Yeah, right. it's yeah. it's pretty common practice, and I, yeah, I, or I, at I, least ADR later. But I think that's a thing too. Like I think I appreciate in those scenes where he's obviously working and directing. I I love going in and out of like the reality into like the film set kind of thing, um, and not really knowing where you're at. But there's like those moments where, like, he's talking to the actors while they're doing the scene and i'm like that that's very italian like they did not give a shit about sound right they have to worry about it where you're like yeah i'm watching it i'm like dude stop talking they're you're filming <laughs> yeah but it didn't matter yeah it right. just didn't matter which you know as a filmmaker do you guys think like man if i had that freedom to just like yell what i wanted oh yeah 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 uh, the other thing, the other, the original script was 49 pages long and contained no dialogue. It consisted of descriptions of bodily mut- mutilations, imagery, and sound effects that w- would complement them on screen. See, it goes back to what I'm saying. And then yep. pad that 45-page script out with scenes from other movies. Yep. And that's what I have for trivia. Oh, I, I was just going to say uh, one last note on this one. Music, not so good for an Italian cool horror movie. Like... Didn't didn't dig the score very much. Well, there was one part. Um, God, what movie shoot was that? Where they, I think they were straight up, straight up lifted the music from City of the Living Dead for a, for like a moment, for like a minute or two. It's that woman. I think she's in some kind of like graveyard or whatever, and these really bad people, these really these people in really bad masks, keep popping out from oh yeah behind tombstones and crypts. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that movie was or that music was straight up lifted from City of Living Dead, so that was probably the best right. music. Some of, the of movie. it just didn't I mean, I guess it's like the parts where he's not killing or there's not murders, you have you can't just use cool like Tangerine Dream or, you know, uh uh Goblin. Goblin, that's the yeah. name I'm looking for or something, but you know, it was like annoying me well i'll tell you that's probably the biggest disappointment of this whole movie for me is that it completely lacks 
Fulci's usual atmospheric style. Right. From yeah. like the Beyond or City of the Living Dead or House by the Cemetery. It has none of that. And if like you're telling this kind of autobiographical story about your own descent into madness and in and about out your of your films, yeah. About yeah, about your films and in and out of reality of things. That's just ripe for like, hey, let's get some let's get some red gels in here. Or let's bring in some fog, you know, whatever the case may be. But uh, yeah, just we, we had really no. It was just really flat. Had no atmosphere to it, which was the biggest disappointment. So, Tad, what's our next film? Our next film is from 2014. It is I Survived a Zombie Holocaust. From the country that brought you Brain Dead, Black Sheep. And the piano. A terrifying new zombie film. What? God. Within a zombie film. Where's the runner I asked for? This is the new runner. We shouldn't be doing this. It's dangerous. Is that her American accent? This sickness has got the whole town on its back. They say something nasty got into the water supply. Oh, thank God. It's worried I'd undercooked the patties again. Yes, we know they're coming, Greg. It's very scary. You're not really gonna. Don't put that in your mouth. Real zombies attack a zombie film set. Well, lucky I didn't get bitten then. Prove it. You bastard. You're ruining my shirt! Come on, Richard, we're almost out of time for the day. Let's not keep the crew awake. When there's no room left in filmmaking hell. The dead will walk the earth. Cinema never dies. How come I don't get a gun? How come I don't get a vagina? I survived a zombie holocaust. A young runner on a zombie film set has the first day from hell when real zombies overrun the set. So I went into this one thinking this was going to be the real stinker of the episode. And when it started, I was like, I'm, I might be right. And then I fucking loved it. I was Yay, like, this, I was like, right? this concept's been done a million times. Shaun of the Dead did it better. I'm so sick of zombies. How can they make this fun? I think it's the, like the, the sense of humor like that yep you know something like it's goofy but it's not like it's not just gross out humor it's funny mm-hmm. uh the lead is really good uh everybody sort of has their stereotypical character the machauvinist asshole uh egotistical Pro- dickhead yeah. yeah uh the, right. the angry director producer that's uh you know then we have the the old character actor who <coughs> is method acting uh, the, the cute girl that does, you know, the catering, but uh, she's not really good at that. She's just trying to get in. Uh, I just, yeah, the, the the young nervous kid who's on his first day and trying to get his screenplay read by everybody. 
I loved it. I thought it it really like captured me pretty quickly, and Sweet. I I couldn't believe how much I liked it. Good, good. Because I'll say I was I, this was the one I was nervous about because this was a random discovery on Tubi. Don't even know why I originally clicked on it years ago, and was so pleasantly surprised and was pretty happy. It just feels like it's so rare anymore to discover some like truly small independent amongst the pile of trash that's out there and yeah i i think it's a lot of fun i i loved it the first time i watched it um i feel like the third act drags on a bit uh i think i was enjoying i enjoy the first half so much of all of the ramping up to them yeah Yeah. and then just the whole all the all the humor involved in this making of this zombie movie, um, you know, and so like almost felt like when the zombie stuff really hit the fan and almost got in the way. Um, but I mean that. But the whole that's the whole point of the movie is like, you know, it's a zombie movie within a zombie movie, and uh, like you know, just those scenes of who's an extra and who's a zombie, which is which is always funny. Um, and I don't know, I, he doesn't, he didn't hold up as much as uh, this time as the first time. And I don't know, maybe he just doesn't, the character doesn't age as well, but the prop guy I thought was freaking hilarious. (laughs) Um, I just, I love how, you know, he, he comes storming out of his truck. Like he's the big savior of the film. Like this is, he's just wait, been waiting for this moment his whole life. He's the guy who knows what's going on. He's the guy that's going to take out these zombies. And then he just ends up shooting real people the whole time. <laughs> Not actually getting any of the zombies. And then he's taken out quickly, which is just even funnier. He shoot himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did shoot himself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it reminded me of that part in Feast when the guy says, I'm the guy that's going to save your ass. And then he just gets eaten right away. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I yeah, I think this one's a lot of fun and I also realize too like if there is somebody if you if you come across a movie that has maybe bad performances in it, if you throw on a New Zealand accent, it's forgivable. So but uh-huh. yeah, total thumbs up for me. Um I agree with Tad and Mike on this one. This was the first time watch and this was the one I was most worried about. I'm just like <laughs> I was. I was just like, oh, God. It's just, like, yep. you know, and then and I just, I was just like, well, I got to watch it. And then I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is really good. And um, basically everything you guys said and just, I love how even all the minor characters for what little time they were, they were there, they had their moment to shine and it made a memorable. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's what I really, really liked about this between, you know, the props guy, the egotistical actor. Um, yeah, just it, any one of them. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, what's the, uh, the, the, the New Zealand guy that played rugby. What was his job? I think he was, was he, no, he wasn't AD. He, God, what was he? Well, I mean, regardless of what yeah. he was on the film, I mean, I thought he did really good, too. Um, His character was appreciated because otherwise, because he was, 
he was still like kind of a jerk to the runner guy off and on, but he was also the right. nice one of the nicest ones to the runner guy. And if you're going to have a movie where your comedy's based on all these people being assholes, you've got to have at least one redeemable character. Amen. Um, um, that that is kind of on the side of of our main protagonist. So I really I like that character a lot too because it balances that out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know really really what else to say. I mean, it was just it it was a really uh, it's just a fun funny movie. Yep, yep. Uh, Zombies. I. Uh... Pretty much feel the same way, just maybe not as much as you guys, but but um, it's yeah, it's fun. I like the main dude; he's got just a great smile and <laughs> just a simmy. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> just a simmy. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Um, I did not like the prop guy at all. He could. I'm glad he killed himself. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't think they're supposed to like the prop guy. Mike does. I thought it was funny. I well, I think he's funny too. But yeah. I mean, that's what's the that's the funny part. You're not supposed to really like him. I liked how they like opened it with you know them shooting a scene, but it's you're seeing it as the viewer, like you're watching a movie, and then they pull back and you're yep. seeing it shot. It's been done a million times, but it was really fun because then you know the girl's like, "You said you weren't going to get blood on me," and you know. I know because the movie starts with the inner movie, and you're like, "Man, this acting so <laughs> right, bad. right." Just, they pull a quick one. You on don't you. know if that's the, what it is yet, and then you're like, "Thank God that was the fake movie because that acting, I couldn't do a whole movie." <laughs> but they also when they, do. When they real, do like the. Go ahead. I was just gonna say when the, when the when they do like the tough guy voice, it's like permanent, like <laughs> dirty, hairy voice. You know, yeah. it's just like, "Give me a gun," you know. It's, yeah, it's so damn corny. But the, this movie does a good job of uh, getting you again near the end, too. You know, just... Oh, that final? I mean, so I won't <laughs> spoil it any more than y'all have, but yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah. But, you know, it, it does a good job of getting you another time. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I like how they did that at the end. Yeah. Yeah, with, again, hard to talk about it without giving it away, but I, I agree. I did like that little... That little stinger at the end. Cool. Tad, what trivia is on this one? Not one single thing. Um, <laughs> but I looked into a little bit of the director, Guy Pigden. And he's done some like very different stuff since then. Uh, this was his first feature. His first anything. Which is pretty crazy. Like He didn't do any shorts. Or not at least on IMDb. Uh, and then he ended up doing a few shorts, TV series, and just last year did a very interesting-looking documentary. So, oh. like very very serious one. So, oh. interesting. Yeah, but he did a series called Emmy Emmy I M M I the Vegan in 2020, and then 2021 it looks like he did a movie version of that series, which was seven episodes. And there's a movie with the same title but a different yeah. poster. Okay, cool. And he did something called Asylum. So I sort of like, I just want to sort of check out what else he did, you know? Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Okay, so Andy, what's our next movie? 
Our next movie is from 2011. It is a J.J. Abrams film, and it is called Super 8. I've got nothing against your friends. I like your friends. Now things have obviously changed for us. I have to help Charles finish his movie. Be good for you to spend some time with kids who don't run around with cameras and monster makeup. Uh, could you close your eyes, please? Yeah. And action! freighter derailed what the cargo was on that freighter we don't know we can't tell anyone i know i understand you have concerns about our cargo colonel there isn't anything else that i should know is there i can assure you the answer is no we've gotten calls from people who found local dogs but the calls coming in aren't local it's like they all just ran away i've got property damage i've got theft I've got nine people missing now. Clearly, there are things happening around here that I can't explain. We have to find this thing. I don't feel good about this. Go! I saw it. No one believes me. I believe you. What the hell? During the summer of 1979, a group of friends witness a train crash and investigate subsequent unexplained events in their small town. Okay, um... Furthermore, it's just a it's a bunch of kids that are making a zombie film called The Case, and it's kind of got your typical, you know, group of friends uh, movie lineup. It's kind of like it gives off a, a Goonies monster squad, you know, kind kind of vibe. It's and they act like typical kids, you know, their age. They flip each other a lot of shit, you know. And um but what happens in the midst of uh, making their um, their zombie movie, a train crashes, and it was purposely derailed because of the contents within it. And long story short, spoiler, it is a alien, and a very, very large one. And it eventually uh, ends up wreaking havoc on the town, but for very good reason because the military is involved um i saw this years and years and years ago um i think it works really well because of you know when you have like a group of a group of friends you can easily identify yourself with one of them or you can identify somebody that you know you know, you know as one of them and i can totally see 
Mike as the young director Charles in his room <laughs> with a Super 8, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, wanting, wanting to film and, you know, monster makeup. And, you know, he's got like, you know, I mean, I think he even had a Dawn of the Dead poster in his room. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm just going to say that's you're still describing me today. This movie is just oh, yeah, basically yeah, yeah, the yeah. birth of prescribed films. <laughs> yeah, hey, there you go. Yeah, or I'm just describing myself and my friends. Um, but yeah, um, it's and it's got a you know budding teenage love story, and um, there's there's tragedy involved with uh, Joe, be, uh, one of the main kids who lost his mom, and they're just trying to figure out why this alien is wreaking havoc around the surrounding community because it's it's pulling engines out of cars it's stealing microwaves like really really weird stuff and uh it's also eating people because it's very very angry um but as we go along you'll you'll figure why it's it, why it's being you know defensive um i like this one um it's i'm glad i watched it a second time but um not one of my go-to um, group of kids movies, um, but it's not bad. What did you guys think? One of my favorites. I saw this in theaters. Love it. Watched it. Own it on Blu-ray. Own it on 4K. Uh, watch wow. it every couple of years. I adore this movie, man. This is like uh, the new generation's Goonies or E.T. You know, I know it's very typical, but man, it's so much fun. These kids have great chemistry. Uh, t to me, this is like J.J. Abrams firing off, doing his best work, very Spielbergian. Uh, I don't yeah. have anything negative to say about this. I love it. I love to... I turned it on and turned off the lights and pumped up the uh, surround sound when the train comes by. That scene is just fucking awesome still. Oh, yeah. Still, oh, I yeah. know what's going to happen, and it still, you know, gets me going, gets me pumped up, gets me excited, which takes a lot now, and, man, I still love this one. 100% cut, copy, paste what Ted said. It's <laughs> one of my favorite fucking movies of all time. I... Need to get it up into my top five. It's so fucking good. Yeah. Just everything about everything. Kids on bikes. I just can't get enough. Uh, it's one of the like most amazing films for cinematography uh, you'll ever see. It's every shot has a fucking purpose and the movement. Oh, it's it's fucking brilliant and uh, it just feels Spielbergian over and over and yeah the score the story the kids the that's fucking I, fucking perfect i love man. the i also love the fact that it's got everything that you see in this is oriented to the time that it was made you know because i'm kind of a i'm a stickler for that you know i don't want to see a car that's made in 1983 and a 1979 mm -hmm. movie yeah. and you know you see that everything is just done like really really well i agree with all of what you guys are saying and uh, jason was saying that it has that spielbergian um feel to it i feel like this is probably one of the best if not the best example of recapturing recapturing that from the day i mean the kids on bike thing is done so much nowadays that it has a genre name kids on bikes 
and I don't think anybody did it as well as as Super 8 did. Um, you know, yeah. and then it definitely what's that? I said no. You're right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even Spielberg can't like top this. <laughs> no. No. At this point, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it definitely speaks to the kid in me as well, having um, these kids making, trying to make oh. their own movies. It's everything. It's yeah. fucking mm-hmm. it's perfect for us. Which, <laughs> I love this entire movie. Can't can't think of a uh, moment I don't like, but I'm going to say my favorite part is the end credits where they show, they show their zombie movie during the end credits. That is awesome. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, I also really appreciate that you have your typical clan of kids in this group. Kids on bikes, you got the stereotypes. But for one of the rare times, the fat kid is not the comic relief. He's almost kind of the leader of the group, really. Yeah. Yeah. And you never get that. So I thought that was cool. I really appreciate that as well. I even thought the alien looked looked pretty pretty good. Um, yeah, just a great movie. And oh man, I wish I would have seen this in the theater. If for mm. no other reason alone, if for that train derailment yeah. scene, what yes. a scene! Oh, it it gives me the goosebumps watching it on a induction TV. value. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it just keeps going too. It's like right when you think it's over and they're running yeah. away, boom, another explosion, boom. It just it's like when yeah. are they going to be safe? Yep. And yeah, and that would have been me a hundred percent as a <laughs> as a, a now even nowadays like oh the train's coming production value yeah got to get or, it in the background or oh the military is invading our town what's going on this is scary oh who cares let's film in front of these jeeps so it yep. looks like add production value to our film that's me a hundred percent so true. <laughs> Tad, what trivia do you have on this one? I'm assuming you got some good stuff on this one. Yeah, there's a million things on this one, but I picked some that I just thought were interesting. Um, since Elle Fanning was 12 years old when filming her driving scene, it was illegal for her to actually drive, so they had a stunt person driving the car with a mini steering wheel and monitor in the back seat. Uh, <laughs> wow. What's weird is that's legal, J.J. Abrams stated in the Blu-ray commentary, so you can drive it from the back seat with a monitor but not have a 12-year-old drive it from the front seat. A little <laughs> s- sketchy, but, yeah. you know. Uh, Steven Spielberg, his name has been mutter- uttered more than J.J. Abrams on this one, uh, a producer of this, actually, was reportedly on set many times throughout the course of filming. Director J.J. Abrams and Spielberg have both gone on record stating that the filming of this production was some of the most fun they have ever had on any set. Oh, cool. Good. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Riley Griffiths, who played uh, Charles or Charles Kazink, played an April Fool's joke on Abrams during the filming. Uh, on the verge of crying, I told him I had lost my script, lost it at a mall in L.A. Somebody took it, and it's online. He 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 totally <laughs> fell. F- he totally fell for it. I think I might have been more scared than JJ. I was trembling. <laughs> Little asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ever uh, speaking of little assholes uh have you ever seen they the, uh, <laughs> have you guys ever seen the clip of in goonies it made me think of this where uh donner after filming the goonies he was notoriously sort of a grump and and uh the kids were like really exhausted him 
filming the Goonies. Mm-hmm. It was I can only imagine. It was like you know, it was like a love hate thing. He loved it. Obviously, he had a blast, but man, like he had a hard time every day wrangling these kids up and getting them to do what they're supposed to do. So on like they wrap the filming, he flies out of the country to I don't even know like Hawaii to take a vacation, right? To be completely on his own, away from everybody. <laughs> And Spielberg paid for all the kids to fly over and follow him. Fuck yeah. And they, they, they waited for him to be, like, on the beach. Laying, there's footage of this, too. He's laying, like, on the beach in a lawn chair, and the kid who plays Chunk comes running around the corner, and he's like, you know, Richard! And, and he's like, what the fuck? And, like, all the kids come up, and they're oh like, we're on God. vacation with you! And Spielberg's behind him, you know, it's like the 80s Spielberg <laughs> with a hat, and uh, he's just like, <laughs> it was like, gotcha. Donner was so, Jesus. so, so irate, like, are you fucking kidding me? You followed me all the way here. Never work together again. <laughs> I want to see that footage. It's so good, because, you know, Spielberg it just has fuck you money to do that. Yep, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that's I like to think if I had that kind of money that's the kind of epic prank I would play on my friends like what Uh, what would be his worst nightmare what if I flew them all over he finally gets done in a way after like a uh, year of heavy production walk down to the beach (laughs) yeah finally oh my god built them a party house on the same block you know so good Oh, that's awesome. We might have to post that clip on, on our Patreon just yeah, so the absolutely. listeners can see it because it's really funny. I, yeah. I or in the group it. somewhere, yeah. All right, folks, that's it for this topic. Now we're going to take a quick break so you can hear a promo for our podcast network, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The PFPN is home to over 30 shows, including Unsung Horror, one of my favorite shows on the yeah. network. Uh, unsung horror reviews uh, of unsung horror movies, less than a thousand views on Letterbox, hosted by Lance and Erica. Check them out and all the other shows at thepfpn.com. And when we come back, we'll have our last couple of segments, so you'll want to stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the show. I know you've been going on and on, or that we've been going on and on and on and on, but now it's time to hear from you guys. Here's Jason with shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! All right, we asked, what are your favorite horror movies that have a movie within the movie? And on Facebook, we got Emily, Attacker Emily, she says, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. It's definitely my top pick. Not sure if anyone knows this, but my nemesis, where they get stuck in Night of the Living Dead. 
Oh yeah, and ne- the cleansing yeah, hour. Yeah, that's the name of the movie: Nemesis colon Night of the Living Dead. Okay. And then uh, Melvin he ch- chimes in. He says, "One cut of the dead," which Hell is yeah. obviously the best answer. Oh ever. yeah. I need your guys' help on the rest of this. I don't know what's even going on. There's, there's like comments on comments, and then Mike jumps in. I don't even know what the fuck he's even referring to. <laughs> Who me? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm. I was leaving a shout out. Oh. That's fine. Whatever. Oh no, I don't read it. That's weird. It was just weird. Okay, I thought it was replying to one of those guys. I don't think I did it as a reply, but no, it's just. It's just so much weird stuff going on after that one. Mike says, not a horror movie per se, but fun fact. The first thing Bobcat Goldthwait ever directed was the footage for the fake slasher movie that is playing at the drive-in in the comedy classic One Crazy Summer. Oh. Yep, now you know. In your okay. face. Over on our Facebook group, we got Attack of Brett Royer. He says, Stab. Directed by Robert Rodriguez and Scream 2. Oh, is that for real? I didn't know that. That's cool. it's not for real. No, I mean oh. it's it's it, it's <laughs> in the movie. It's supposed to be okay. Right. Yeah, in uh, the movie, the credit pops up as Robert Rodriguez directing. Uh, okay. Yeah. Also, I want to see the zombie movie the kids were making in Super Eight. You Good do taste. at the end credits. Yeah. Yeah, people watch the Stay credits. Stay for the credits. Attacker right. Abe Kirshner says, "I really want to see the movie they are playing at the theater in Demons." Fuck yeah! <laughs> yep. There you <laughs> go. Also, I have to throw out my usual, that's a bit of a scratch pick of Lost Highway. Yeah, because he has the video camera. He's filming the door. Okay. Okay. I only saw that once a long time ago. Worth a rewatch. It's pretty fucking weird. (laughs) Well, it's Lynch. Yep. Yep. Tim Lennerer. Oh, yeah. Tim Lennerer says the 1988 remake of The Blob has Garden Tool Massacre. Yeah. Playing during the updated movie theater scene with the classic dialogue, wait a minute, hockey season was over months ago. <laughs> the carnage in that movie is interrupted when the blob attacks the theater, killing dozens of film dozens of filmgoers who picked the wrong night to go watch a slasher flick. Jacob McLaughlin says, I love Edgar Wright's Don't trailer from Grindhouse. I wish that was a real movie. Don't. <laughs> I also, we are finally getting Thanksgiving, guys. Yay. Uh, I Jake, still need to see Yeah. I still need to see Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu. <laughs> yep. Uh Jacob goes on to say, I also wish that Cannibal Airlines from Ten Cloverfield Lane was a real movie. Oh, I don't remember, I don't that. remember that. I gotta go back and watch Ten I've been it's wanting so to go back and watch yeah. Ten Cloverfield Lane anyway. And while it's a commercial, it would be kind of awesome if Cheddar Goblin from Mandy was a real mascot for macaroni and cheese. Talk about <laughs> talking about a bit within a movie that has transcended the movie. Yeah, yeah. it's Goblin good. <laughs> it has so much has more merch than like actual mac Mandy. and cheese brands. Yes. yes. <laughs> Uh, nothing over on Twitter, but on Instagram, we got Old School Video Inc., the Reapster. Demons is the absolute king of this. But mega props to the final girls. Thank you. Fuck yeah, yeah man. That oh, movie's yeah. so I mentioned good. that so one. good. And to return to Horror High 
for making a horror movie in a horror movie. And then we got, uh, lastly, we got Dino Bite with a three instead of an E underscore entertainment says, don't from Grindhouse. And uh, yeah. Oh, Mike, you see that? There's the beeping. I was oh, wondering. Beeping light. Oh, all right. I'll push play. Hey, everybody. Attacker Brian here for my bi-weekly phone call. And it sounds like this episode, the podcast crew is talking about movies inside a movie that you would like to see. Or maybe you wouldn't like to see. It was just a movie inside a movie. So I'm sure everybody's going to go with the movie Inside Demons. That always gets <laughs> a lot of love. How about Stab that's in the Scream movies? I almost feel like at this point we'd be better off with Stab over Scream going to New York, but it's actually in Toronto. Wrong. Just, just me being wrong. Woke, I guess. <laughs> Hell, I don't know about movies. And then if you remember the Grindhouse double feature that Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez did, there was a movie called Don't. <laughs> And it says don't about 50 times in two minutes. And if you plan on going to see that movie alone, don't. And if they make that movie, we probably don't want to see it. It looks that bad, but I would probably buy it on 4K from Vinegar Syndrome. If they really <laughs> you guys have a good day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Godzilla. And you, too, can leave your voicemail and get it played on the show. Just give us a call. Just take that phone out of your pocket and push 415-952-6857. Or if you have an old rotary phone that still has numbers and letters letters next to it, you can dial 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us that voicemail and get on the show. That's shout-outs. Do you think Edgar uh, was tipping the captive torso when he did that? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. I think Torso. I even read that somewhere. Torso. Torso. Well, speaking of torsos, this guy's got one. It's Insane's Picks. <laughs> Just real quick, where was the love for all the fake movies and popcorn? Like, yeah. I'd love to oh, see yeah, like the mosquito or yeah, and the stink, the stink or stench or whatever. The electrified man, electrified man, which or, is Crispin Glover's dad, by the way. Yeah, or what about Mant from uh Matinee? Yeah, Mant, yeah. right? Anyway, so for this insane's picks, we are going to be doing a love story, Ooh. a romance as old as time. Woman meets man, woman falls in love, woman marries man, but man faked her love for her. Now the woman and her Siamese twin end up murdering the man. I know you've heard it all before, but we are going back to the original in conjoined twins crime dramas. That's right, 1952's Chained for Life. The film stars the real-life conjoined twins, the Hilton sisters, Daisy and Violet. Uh, the Hilton sisters toured around the world as part of a sideshow uh, vaudeville show throughout the 20s and 30s. Uh, the movie, though, is the story about the Hilton sisters. In the movie, they're playing Vivian and Dorothy. 
Uh, they are performers, and as a publicity stunt, one of the sisters marries the juggler from the vaudeville troupe. However, the juggler does not love her and leaves her. The other twin kills the husband who left her sister. Now, the courts have to decide if she, if she is convicted of murder, how can they punish her? Who had who? How can they punish her sister, who had nothing to do with the crime? Dun dun dun. Most much of this movie's plot is derived straight from the real events in the lives of the Hilton sisters, uh, from the sham wedding, um, for publicity, uh, the difficulties in getting the marriage license due to moral reasons. Although I'm pretty sure they didn't kill their fake husband. I don't know. But that is what I'm recommending this time around. 1952's Chained for Life. Did those twins do other movies? They were in Freaks. Yeah. Um, I think that was it. Like, Chained for Life, their big, their big break, their big starring role. And it was the last film they did before they died. So we need to get some conjoined twins for our movies. I would love that. Yes. All right, some people think we're conjoined twins. That's true. Yeah. So that is it for this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening. You can find more Attack of the Killer Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and even TikTok. And don't forget you can become an attacker by going to jointheattackers.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. That's a wrap. Cut and print. Oh, no. Could this be the end of? Attack of the Killer.